0: It's the Behind the Dish Podcast yeah. with John Buck. Ready, Ready. and action. right. So we got Tim Cousins, who is uh, – I was excited about this one. Um, I've been trying to get him – track him down because he's so popular with baseball and stuff going on. He is uh, – and also, too, I wanted to have a few guests before I had him so I got comfortable and so that I could – Get the stuff out of him without me fumbling over, you know, doing this new podcast thing. So I think I'm to the point where I feel relaxed. I have an idea, so that I can, you know, have this and conduct this relaxed, where I can get the information and have the conversation that I wanted to have with Tim Cousins. There's a couple of different areas I, why I'm excited to have Tim on here. Is one, just because I love the guy, uh, and you're you're, you're amazing as just as a person, because we went through some stuff, which I I had a little throwing thing, which I want to talk about. Um, And I actually got Bob Tewksbury to elaborate on that part of it. Um, It's kind of baseball with some mental health is kind of what my underlining thing is because for this whole podcast. And um, so having you when I kind of it hit me and I started to go through that stuff and you saw it happen actually in the All-Star game. So I want to talk a little bit on that. But most of all, I wanted to – I've set out on this mission to get better, just the same way I would receiving if as if, if I was playing. But now I'm in this area to get better um, coaching, coaching Little League, or whatever. And there's this glove on the ground, you know, if I can move this a little bit. Glove on the ground, bringing it up through. So I wanted – I I know why they do that i know statistically why i want to elaborate on that a little bit um maybe talk about what are the numbers why that started creating getting that low strike catching it up into the zone and maybe you can give us your theory about that with uh, i feel like just truth be, i feel like i want to pick it apart because I, I don't want to be i'm not sold on it one i'm not sold on on youth doing it one i'm not sold on uh actually what I think that's overdone kind of how the drop knee was when we were younger, you know, everybody started on the drop knee. So I just want to pick it apart a little bit. So don't think I'm attacking you cause, or, or I think that we're kind of on the same page cause I learned from you. And, and, and then I also want to talk about, maybe even before we get into that is how we created my pregame routine and the things that we did, uh, it started in spring training and that type of stuff. So that's kind of an outline of what I wanted to do, but, um, cause, cause what are, what are some of the roles it, start, start your roles? Cause there's a lot of them so that everybody kind of knows your knowledge and background to baseball. Cause there's, there's so many, I, I feel like I would fail to give them all.
1: <laughs> okay. So the quick, the quick, um, version of this is i from Northern California. I played at Sanders junior college. I played at Oklahoma after that. Signed in '92, went out and played until 2000. Uh, Rangers, Yankees, Expos, the whole through those systems. Got done playing in 2000. Uh, spent two years in Kansas City as a bullpen catcher. Um, 2003 started my player development career. Managed for three years and then did the the short season. Uh, catching coordinator combo thing for a year. And then um, after that, in 2012, I went to the Cubs in wow. a dual role as a catching coordinator and the field coordinator, and then uh, stayed there until this last, uh, in 2019, That's went to Baltimore awesome. as uh, my title there is, is uh, field coordinator and catching instructor.
0: Field coordinator and catching instructor. Yeah.
1: Which in is a base. new title-ish.
0: To I, I saw a couple of games that I had tuned in. It seemed like you were almost like a – kind of a bench coach almost.
1: Yeah, th- we don't have – uh,
0: Maybe that's just because I know you and Hyder. I see you and him yeah. working together. You know, maybe that's – you know.
1: We don't have a bench coach. Um, we still don't have a bench coach. Freddie Gonzalez is on our staff. Is you know, he's – do I need to coach. send, do I just send
0: my resume to Hyder
1: or Hyder? Yeah, or-
0: okay. yeah, Okay, we'll send that <laughs> uh, as soon as we get off here and we can just yeah. uh, complete that. I mean, we're all, like we said, if you shave your head, Hyder has a shaved head. I have a shaved head. I feel like there's there's less reasons in baseball that people have gotten jobs. I feel like that would be a good reason I should be the bench coach. A oh,
2: beard.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, so that's the, the quick version. Pretty nondescript playing career. Um, knew I wanted to, to be a coach. Was more passionate about teaching. The second I stopped worrying about my, you know, my my short in and out of the zone swing choppy six four three thing, <laughs> yeah. I I got addicted to it. And then um, I've been unbelievably fortunate after that. So
0: that's that's the scoop. I love it. I love it. Obviously, we met in that was eleven, two thousand eleven. Right, it wasn't the first time mm-hmm. we met.
1: Mm-hmm. At that time, uh, the the organization didn't have uh, didn't have a an on staff full time catching guy. I roved in and out of there um, as part of my coverage. Yeah. That's, that's how we did. It.
0: I remember. I remember you ended up coming around a little bit more, yeah. one by one because my request. Yeah, uh, just because I had you. that little little throwing thing back to the pitcher uh going on and did your amazing help one uh somebody that i could talk to to be feel like i wasn't going crazy right and (laughs) and and then another how a way to work through it and then also at the same time gave me confidence in that too because i think i think more people more people have that going on than people realize and in me and you like we'd be sitting in dugouts like Got it. He's got it. He's got it. He feels it. And um, and obviously I've done a lot of research into it too with uh, slow the game down. Right. And uh, uh, I feel like there's a, there's a head injury part of that too, which we've discussed with catchers getting foul balls and that, like, how many times do you probably see those little lights that, you know what I'm talking about when it hits and how many times do you think you've seen that in your career?
1: A lot. Countless, a lot. right? Yeah. <laughs> Countless. Quite a bit.
0: Yeah, because I, I to mean, think back
1: about it now. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable how, how often it is. And and what, hearing that described, that's in your prefrontal cortex. That's what you're douche, you're getting that. And I remember sliding into second. This is in Toronto in 2010. Slid into second and got a knee to the head and then boom and and bouncing my head off the turf. That, you know, at second base, I guess it was probably dirt, but, um, and I remember having a concussion, like definitely felt sick or whatever came out of the game and it was right before all-star break. And I did a, you know, end up having playing played the didn't play the next day and then played again and then had some foul balls. Right. Uh, and I remember, feeling those things and having those lights and it linger with me a little longer. I felt groggy, felt kind of in a, in a cloud, but then shortly thereafter, cause I never really took a break. There was a foul ball and then it was a foul ball and I went to throw it back and I was like, Ugh. and it, it was just weird. I had never thrown one away. It wasn't anything, but it was a weird, like, Oh type of thing. And I end up kind of, I wouldn't say hitch or whatever. I just had, it wasn't the freeze you die unless I whipped it back to the pitcher. And now it had a purpose to like, I was trying to get the pitcher's attention. I wham, I had a reason, but if I didn't, it was like a blank minded. It was. So um, it was weird. And and you were there at that time with that. And we created a routine, which created my whole uh, routine beforehand. Cause it was real focused on receiving in all areas of my part of my game. And we spent very little on that where we end up getting to where I felt comfortable with emotion that we end up doing. And it, it kind of subsided and got to the point where I think even after I left with the Mets and, and you were like, Oh dude, that, do you feel that anymore? I was like, not, not really. And then it would like kick up late, kicked up later. And I think it was after some, some, uh, boom, heavy trauma to the, to the head um but how often do you see that with with the catchers
2: first off I,
1: I, so that's a, this conversation is such a deep well i yeah. um before i answer that i i would like to say you know before you ca- came aboard when i when we signed you and i watched your video i think any instructor will go back and find um a library of um Video to see where you've been and how you you know how you move and and your routines and stuff and and I so before you came to us I knew like you talked about earlier I knew I could yeah. I could tell that there was some apprehension somewhere built in, and so I was preparing myself before spring training for that. So and then what you do as an instructor is you wait for uh, an opportune time. You you want to build equity with the player so that they feel comfortable enough for you. And I was sort of waiting for you to have that conversation. And I, and I can't recall when we had that intersection, but I had already seen years prior, your working mechanisms, your rhythms, um, your throwing sequencing and all those things. And I saw how it had been potentially altered. So I knew the, the backlog of, of when there was freedom and, I, and then I saw the whole thing. So I, I remember we had at some point you and I had that conversation, yeah, and i, I feel like we got there pretty
0: quick, yeah it did, I think because of you and how you are, and I think that's a catcher' skill, being relatable and be able to yeah. the
1: humility humility for yeah. because we all are catchers, we all know we all understand how uncomfortable having a baseball on your fingers at times is. we've all sure. been there, yeah, and um so. Once you establish that, then it was easy for us to branch off. Not to mention that we're probably genetically linked somewhere along the path, yeah, right? <laughs> so we, you know, we, we could talk for seven days straight about things that we built in the dugout while we were right. You know, our minds work similarly. So, um, so as we got there, glove guardian, yeah, glove guardian, and then remember those literally glasses? made with you, right? <laughs> yeah, remember the, the receiving glasses. There's yeah. a, there's a lot of catching guys on here. There's a product out there that you can create where you can't see your hands. There's a lot of gold when you can't see what your hands are doing, you know, anyways, blah, blah, blah. Um, (laughs) so we got there quick and then we got onto, um, we got onto that conversation and that whole journey. And and there's, and you know, for us, our, our catching world, that's, there's a lot to that. And to get yourself to, a physical place from a mental place. And I'm not, I'm not as into it as, as you are. I, I, I haven't had the ability to really dig deep on that side. And I think it's fascinating. I think you're right in the sweet spot with, with this whole conversation. I'm fascinated with it. And to answer your question, long-winded way of saying most people I come in contact with have had some dealings with this. Yeah. And there's a lot of time spent on, figuring out a way to get an athlete to a non-thought automated thing. So to answer your question, most people I see have had some issues with it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's in my, in my experience, it's the guys that are cerebral enough to understand it from a different angle are the ones that have a chance of repatterning themselves, both mentally and physically to get to a comfortable place. Yeah. And I, know, I think what, what
0: helped me get to that point where I could deal with it, and and I had one. We had uh, Baker, who's yeah. now sports psychologist, and and, and
1: he's now uh, performance minor league guy. director with Pittsburgh. Did you know that? He did what? He's a he's the minor league director with Pittsburgh. Did he, when did this happen? He just got it. That's to be another guy to get on. He's I get far a more articulate. Call real quick. <laughs> get him on here. He's he's amazing.
0: No, he's he's, and I think what his knowledge and his his ability to think like that, and him being a backup with mine, and he him having kind of a similar issue with his elbow, things going on where he couldn't feel it coming through that, and then having Hayes there, it was a way I felt comfortable. Like that's not going to be a normal scenario, right? And I had a good supporting crew with my catcher's core with you, Hayes, Baker. Um, to where I, I think I was able to open up and talk about it more it was uniquely with those guys, you know, cause of the group and core that we had there. Um, but uh, it yeah, used I think to that be a veil helped. of
1: silence, JB. The what? It used to be a veil of silence. Like nobody would talk about it. Yeah. Nobody wanted to. Well, know, I think that's the, why I want to
0: talk about it so much.
1: Because now there's, I think there's a, a, um, a support system to talk about it. I think we can't come from one spot to a completely different spot with it. And it's right. not such a freaky thing at yeah. all. And I'm, I think I'm less scared of it because I
0: dealt with it, felt it. And I think got to real issues knowing that it like what it is working with the team psychiatrist and things like what is happening here and, oh. and realizing and almost comfort like, oh, it's okay. I got some bruises on my brain that may be causing oh. this. That gave you know, let's deal with it rather than being afraid, like don't tell don't uh, which creates more anxiety. Um so I mean that was huge for me I, I think that's the reason why I went to Miami is to be around that crew you know and to deal with it because it I know I, f- going to other teams afterwards uh one Seattle being a bad experience with it um it it was it was it was hard to deal with but it if you have a a way to open up and talk about it, I think it it helps or you realize that you're not alone then it's there's answers out there. I feel like it helps, you know. But that's kind of why I want to talk about it.
1: Well, that's uh, it's such a fascinating, and I think JB, I think you're the perfect person to really delve into this, to exp- explain it from a, a personal experience of, of how it, it it grows and and how it works and how you can defeat it and and. You, you know, you can push just a, a, a long way. Yeah. There's going to some very good people out there that are working a lot on this. And this exists in every single sport that we have. Yeah. It exists. It jumps up. I mean, if you think about the, just the field in general, there's there's pitchers I don't like to throw over. Yep. Outfielders, think about this. This is this is the secret in the outfield realm. Route to Routine base hit to left field. Tell her I said hi. <laughs> JP says hello. He says hi. Um, routine base hit to left field. Left fielder gets the ba- the baseball. Shortstop closes the distance. You watch that throw.
2: Yeah.
1: That throw, if if, and that's why on the, on the aggressive side, if you teach your base runners, yeah, they goose it for sure. It's a, yeah. it's a it's a it's gearing's and fingers. It's it's feel. It's all those things. And that throw you can expose if you get down the line. That's why we tell our base runners get down yeah. the line, create an angle, look at the shortstop. And watch how many throws. If you do your if homework on your way down to first base, you can see a lot from that. So that exists there. That's in the outfielder's world. There's a there's a pitcher component. There's all kinds of side um, issues. I had an issue throwing. Believe it or not, for, uh, in Double A, I had an issue throwing the ball around on a strikeout because I wanted to fire. I always threw the ball over Mike Bell's head. Touchdown. Yeah. I would I would th- I would throw it over his head. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. What, what happened was, and my point with this is it's all about communication. So we want to make everybody on the field look brilliant, right? Our goal as, as athletes is to make everybody look brilliant all Very the time as a, as a team. So yeah. I would I would tell Andy Barquette, who was our first baseman, I'm not going to throw the ball to third base because I have an issue throwing the ball over his head. So I'm going to throw to first base.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> Boom, done. Like, it creates comfort. It creates a non-thought thing. and And so many times prior, it was such a – Bravado thing, and nobody wanted to talk about it. That's just how we roll now. We want to make everybody look great. And so that's a way to eliminate all those things. So, you know, that's a side tangent, but it exists. And I see it all the time. One of the things I do in Baltimore pregame now, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll take I'll catch throws from infielders. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's twofold, and there's a reason for it. And and you can learn a lot about um the infielders and how they're feeling. And and I've learned things from them and and watching them on a daily basis and and catching those throws. It may seem like a, you know, a, you know, weird thing to do, but you can learn a lot and I'm fascinated with it. And I want people that are on the field with their spikes in the dirt to feel comfortable. I want people to operate as human beings as efficiently as they can because it's beautiful to watch when when somebody's comfortable. It's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And when pe- and on the flip side, when people aren't comfortable,
0: it's hard. It's hard,
1: it's hard. and and uh, if you have humility and you and you like human beings, you want people to fire on all cylinders. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: what what, what do, um
0: what protocols do the Orioles have for uh, concussions and stuff? It's changed. It's it's gotten better
2: because I think of
0: these conversations are coming now, and people are realizing, you know, some trauma uh, accompanied with high anxiety, stress. I think kind of cr- creates this and they, and baseball knows that now what's, what's the protocol for, for concussions for catchers?
1: I think, I think if you go on concussion protocol, it's a, at least a week and then you have to test your way back in. I'm not exactly sure of the
0: protocol. They still got the computer concussion. test that they have for us. Yeah. 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 Yep. And, 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 then, and, and for our listeners and our guests, it's, it's like a computer program that you go in and recall has a bunch of different protocols you do the beginning if you have a certain amount of foul balls that that are noticeable they'll make you do it after the game so you kind of get this baseline uh to be able to do that and that's I liked it at the end of my career uh, I just I wish I would have been able to have it at the beginning all the way through my career because I think it would have told a lot you would have it would have triggered this right away and probably saved some of my stuff or had answers
2: a little bit earlier but that's interesting
1: yeah there's a, there's a, there's a, lot of stuff that has evolved, uh, in the, in the past, you know, five years, but in the going, stretching back even further, there's, it, it's a world, worlds apart and, um, everything's tracked. You can see, you can, you can see everything you can see. And just in the, the conversation that we're having, like you can literally ch- probably take information on, on throwing the ball, your utility throw back to the pitcher you could probably get data on that throw.
2: Yeah. yeah which is
1: sure. Fascinating.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah. I can
1: see you building a model about that. And and maybe you could track a guy gets a foul ball. You, you kind of see how many foul balls the guy's taking and then you could see the data on these utility throws. Yeah. You no, know, that would be fascinating.
0: Yeah. Maybe turn my brain onto something there, Tammy. Boom. <laughs> so let's, let's turn the page a little bit. Um, what do, what do you got the Orioles catchers working on? Receiving. What's th- let's put our receiving brains on.
1: Yes, receiving. This is one, of,
0: this is one of the things. Like, how do you have them? What's your theory? Because I know your theory beforehand, and it's yep. real traditional. And the guy that I really like on uh, Instagram here, I'll just pull him up. Is this Carlos Costa? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you know him? His. Uh- I've I've seen so. He works thinking, with uh, he works with Maldonado a lot yeah. I think his hands are dope and he's it's he work from the bottom bottom of the zone work up kind of brought this glove out so we can demonstrate some of these things but it's like working yes. that quarter turn a like yep. quarter turn right when you're receiving not like how they're doing what are what are the orioles doing? So the
1: whole thing about the receiving... Yeah, maybe data, maybe
0: explain that. Maybe explain. Because I know the numbers and the data have a, a lot to do with it. So
1: yeah. again, I I I'm gonna be a little bit long-winded. I'm sorry for the listeners. No, this is this is so going one, back to um let's go back a ways. Okay. As somebody who's been possessed with this position for his entire life <laughs> and fought and I'm I'm for everybody out there, I'm 51 years old. Okay. I got obsessed with this position when I was watching my dad play when I was a kid. My dad was a, uh, was a third baseman. He becomes a catcher after he, re- he breaks his ankle, comes out, and he plays fast-pitch, high-level softball. They win the Nationals in 1974. He was a catcher. I watched him through that, and I got fascinated with that position at that point. That was my inception. So, Of course, I was obsessed with every catcher from that point on, until right now I was I cut my teeth as a fairly traditional catching guy I I felt like my instruction was solid in professional baseball I loved my my catching instructors there was always a certain little flare-up of progressive thoughts and 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 um theory there was a couple guys that I always thought were unicorns in the game I thought, I thought Bob Boone was different than the majority of those guys. I thought uh, you had Charlie O'Brien who popped up. You had there were certain guys that were just different, but you had the majority who were very similar and we were all taught very similar things. When I got into professional baseball is when I was physically at a different place where I could kind of alter what I was doing. I wasn't always the best guy. I, I kind of battled along. My deep dive into catching, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be around Brent Maine when I was with the Royals. uh, um, I was after my playing career, after my nondescript playing career. It was it was a way for me to apply receiving theory in real time with catching major league guys. And from that experience, his father was a very um, progressive catching guy. And Maynard, who's a spectacular guy, who's another guy, you gotta have I him, did on, camp did.
2: With him. Yeah, California. Yeah,
1: you gotta have him on because he's a he's a top five human mega all time. He's unbelievable. And so we had conversations. And at that time, I was able to apply some of these things. And I was taught, now here we go in the receiving part. I was taught a, a little further back about there was a theory going around that you wanted to get your head behind reception and you wanted to use the length of the glove. Right. Did you ever, were you ever a part of that one? Yeah. A little bit that. I called it picture framing. Yep. That was, that was, and we, and it was, it was the, it was the theory of the day and it, and it affected your hand path to the ball and you could only attack the baseball one way. And it was great. Well, Lance Parrish. Oh, yeah. And, and it was awesome. I mean, I, this, and, and, and anything that I say, this is what the most love you can have for this position. This is yeah. not somebody taught me wrong. This is not this, that's not that. This is us loving this position and wanting to move it along in a, in a positive direction, which I think, you know, it, I think it is going there. So it was, it was length of the glove. When I got to Kansas city and, and Maynard and I started talking, I started noticing he didn't talk about it, but I noticed that he attacked the baseball with the width of the glove. Okay. Come on JB. This is ooh, you. ooh, ooh. Look at that thing. Look so, at that beauty. So it, it went from this Finish. I don't know if that's a good. Yeah, fit. that's perfect. That to using the, he used the width of the glove really well. He used the arm to move the pocket of the glove. Most guys at that point were using the hand to get the pocket, the glove, he would move his arm. He would keep his elbow down and he would get under stuff and use tweezers. It was beautiful. He was also employing the drop knee, but his drop knee wasn't a late the ball is moving. I'm going to rush with the movement of the baseball. He was doing it without the shoulders moving, and the knee was striking before the ball even got there, and he kept his shoulders square, and the aesthetic for the umpire was beautiful, and he was doing that as a technique. So those two things together, had he had the um, you know the, the, the framing uh, scoring system on him, he would have, I know he would have. Well, yeah. so I took that, and I, I bottled it up, I emulated him, Right. And, and, and I, for me, the game was, you know, it was still at that time I was playing the game. Right. I was doing all this bullpen work. But for me, it was important. I didn't I was trying to become a better receiver. And what I was doing in turn was trying to create the foundation for what would come after. So I started employing that stuff and realized that, you know, at that point, I was far enough along in my journey that that I could accommodate those things with jason grimsley who was nasty mm. and roberta hernandez who was nasty and jeremy affelt who was nasty oh. and right you yeah. Know, and so caught him. yeah you caught all those guys so you know how nasty those guys were and i and i was able to take my limited ability from one place to the next
2: yeah
1: two years later i got an opportunity to manage uh, mark del piano hired me to be uh uh Gulf Coast League manager went down there and all along I was still like vibing on this, on, on the catching stuff. I have a hard time not staring at the dirt circle. So I am thinking solely about catching, trying to manage, thinking I was going to be Tony Rusa when all I really wanted to do was, was do what I'm doing now. catching. So I built this program on receiving. So when we talk about the receiving, I I totally love this conversation. So you asked me, what are we doing now? And here's my short, version I see everything I am not on so I, I am on Instagram am I on Instagram Instagram and Twitter Right. I, are, yeah. I am on those and, and I, I am not a dinosaur I watch everything I see everything that you see I see I'm watching everybody we, we, were, we were talking about it before That's we got it. on I see all the guys yeah. and I love I love what these guys are doing I love that it's visual I'm not doing it because I'm not being visual on these mediums because I, my life is moving fast, right? I am not, 15 years ago, I would have been there and I love what's happening. I've done an ABCA presentation. That's about the most that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. And it's not because I'm an old goat who doesn't want to share. I I believe in that. I have a saying that um, it's not stealing if you give it back, right? Our job as instructors, as mentors to human beings who are trying to do what we love to do and are fortunate enough to do you you have to give it back so I, to a fault i love giving away things that we, we've been doing and i love watching things that everybody's doing so i love that part of it so i'm I, and i'm watching everybody do it so now it, it goes into what's on the street with receiving and and what's great is catching is an island for years nobody came to our island Right. It was yeah. just us, all of us. that We loved this position. It was just our island, and we loved it. And we were kind of left alone on Field Seventeen and shit. It was go to the it, half Field. Was, yeah, way back yeah. there. Yeah. Right. So, so now here comes people to our island because now they can, they can track it and they can um, the
2: statistics
1: and they can yeah they they can they can uh, analyze it with through through the statistics and and that's that's cool to a, to a certain degree. But what it's doing is it's it's taking a lot of the foundational work out my whole spiel is you talked about the amateur ranks and and moving the ball and and all of those things i think it's i think in the big and i and i didn't feel this way until i was until last year last year was like legitimately my first year in the big leagues as a full-time instructor before that my job was to produce talent and I think it's reckless on some levels to not give a, an athlete a very hammered-in foundation of receiving. I think it's important to, to take every step along their progression to get them to do the things that you may need to do at a nightly basis in the big leagues. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people that will say, oh, what, what about strikes don't matter in college? Or stealing a strike. I am 100% for manipulating the aesthetic of the strike consistently and maturely. And so I see a lot of a lot of young kids, you know, doing this. And my only issue with that is I believe that in order, able to do that, if you if you default to a player putting him on a knee, he hasn't conditioned his hips to take the weight to put between his feet. And, and strengthen and, fl- and, and um, lengthen everything he needs to do because there are movements that happen that are, that are outside of that, JB, that you have to have. You have to be as athletic as a human being as you can. You have to be able to block. You have to be able to move your feet to throw. You've got you've to pattern your feet. And those things don't happen right away if we are defaulting them to putting them on a knee. Not to say that you don't need it. It's a technique. Yeah, yeah. It's like music. You have to have, you, you want to be, and I've said this before a lot of years, I can't think of anything that makes more sense than, than this to me, but you have to be able to play all styles of music to appeal to a listener, and you have to apply all styles of receiving and setup to appeal to a human being okay. who hangs out back and creates the size of the plate. Our job is to be able to play the music that he relates to, so he's dancing with you. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's not important. It is important to everybody. I, it is important but there is a world of lesson and repetition that, that I think can and should come between that point.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I know agree. if that
1: makes sense. So that's no, my totally, disclaimer.
0: How I perceive that, what you're saying is I'd like the kids I'm seeing doing now that I'm working with is I'm seeing them not catching balls correctly, not consistently in the glove. They're transfers of, are jacked up. They're getting lazy with their body. I feel like a lot of that's affecting the whole position. Yeah. For for what what they don't realize is that small percentage of what they're what why the big leaguers are doing this or maybe doing that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's affecting. I think it's maybe hurting them and develop. I think you got to go through a phase of de- develop of catching balls with less movement, less is more rather than having more movement with some of these kids at a, at a developmental stage. I'm attest to that as college guys come in. Cause I, I think even some college guys come in, their hands aren't ready. They're not, they're not at that spot to catch every day in the big leagues. They can, think agree. So, I, they're not. Exactly. You're, you're hitting on,
1: a, on an important thing. So as a player come, when I was in development, the first thing that, that would happen is, is when a player signed, you would, you would do baseline video so you have an idea of how this athlete moves, what he does on day one, when his spikes hit the turf, what he is. So you have baseline video. Really reckless if you start making satellite coaching, jump in, let's do this, let's do that, without having an understanding of who the athlete is. After that, the first instructional league was all spent. So they would come in, no, you know, we don't touch the athlete for a while till we know who he is. Once you do that, usually around instructional league time, then you would start re, repatterning him in a vein that would allow him to, to get to a, a certain spot. I don't know if you see my hand and then elevate that.
0: Yeah. And, and for, for a guest that don't know that he means instructional league is usually you go play a season. You come from New York, Penn league, Gulf coast league, Kind of that first thing. Then you go to instructional, maybe even double a, then you go to instructional league, which is after the season. And then that's what, what that's what Coz is talking about.
1: Yeah. And that's usually the, the time when you start making adjustments to an athlete that uh, you identify that, that, that it's going to be detrimental to them going forward. And, yeah. and then usually from there, now here's the smoke and mirrors thing about this position is people say that catching takes the longest time in the world to develop and all that, I disagree with it. It's like looking behind the curtain right now, letting people in on a little bit. It's, it's, it should develop the quickest because once you get somebody um, repeating certain things, the, our workload is so much different than everybody else. We receive thousands of baseballs a week, mm-hmm. right? So once you get somebody into something that is gonna benefit them, it should hammer itself in really quickly Mm-hmm. And they're empty reps. If, if, if a guy's not using their reps the right way and hammering in poor, um, a poor hand path, it's going to be there for a long time. But on the flip side, if you, if you get them in a, in a cleaner position, then they understand what they're trying to do. It should happen really quickly. Right. You know, you are throwing strokes going back to our throwing conversation once. And this is, you, you know, once you get somebody that, um, p- patterns are throwing stroke clean, their, their sequence is clean. It should really elevate quickly. Yeah. so that's the beauty of our position we should as, as a catching community we should be able to move players along pretty quickly yeah. once you get them in a in an atmosphere the where they're repeating things yeah yeah
0: um what would you hey, Jordan? can you pull up a couple of that costa and, we'll, and maybe you can pull it up on us and we can see a good foundation what you mean by that and uh, maybe we can just show a guy who i this is what I think this is why I say this this what is it? Shane uh, Costa, no, I keep saying Shane Costa because of Shane, uh, Shane Costa. You remember Shane Costa, Royals? Maybe you don't remember. So here, here's, a, here's a kid, and I think, I think this is a good foundation, young, you know, a younger kid with that quarter turn.
1: Yep. Quarter turn, he's a sway guy. He's taking his head right behind his glove. Yeah. Yep. And, and he's using the, the momentum of the baseball to finish thumb up. His timing is good.
0: See, I think this is the one – this is why I had him pull this pitch up when I was talking to him because I feel like that's bringing the low up, bringing that pitch up. But here, here's the foundation why I like this and not the drop down, bring it up through is he's – when he turns that quarter turn, now you're, you're throwing. It's, the, it's a continuous motion up into your thing. Do you follow me with that? If you're drotny and that glove is turned over and then catching up, like trying to bring it up, then you're, then you're to to exchange it.
1: So in no way after watching that clip, would I be a critic of this, of watching this? And I'm I'm not trying to be controversial, but when the, the element that, that a lot of things that is not accommodating when you see clips like this is if, can you, if, I don't know if we can bring that clip back up, but, my thing would be if I were looking at this clip ob- objectively I would say when you're working off a machine that's throwing the ball in the same area it's mm-hmm. it's the hope that the pitcher is going to do the same thing so he is he knows where that ball is going to be yeah and he's going to the same spot and that's it that's dependent on this pitcher and when we talk about we talk about stealing strikes it's a hot yeah. topic it's kind of the same thing that I think people don't really bear down on is you have to have this one thing accommodated yeah. when, when, when we were all playing, it was when the messaging from the, from every pitching guy was you have to throw strikes early. And if we can get a guy that's throwing strikes, then we can manipulate from there. It gives you a little more comfort. Correct. And, um. and so what happens now is guys aren't really, Bearing down on the art of throwing strikes, and I get it. They're 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 trying to maximize their stuff. They're trying to throw their best stuff. The Costa. That's
2: right.
1: And so now it's about stealing strikes, and everybody's on on how many stolen strikes there are. And and my issue is that early in the game, if you get a guy that can throw strikes, and then we can go off the edges, that we can we can really dance. Then we can really manipulate that. But until guys are consistently throwing strikes, it's very difficult to take a 98 mile an hour fastball with, with, with big sink and we're setting up a way and he throws it back middle. Yeah. You roll, you roll to the length. It's a ball.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so, so it's dependent on a lot of different variables.
0: Yeah. And, so I, and I, feel, I feel like that's, that's the, uh, where you, where you're just, where you just said there's it's depending on a lot of variables, consistency, consistency of the pitcher, which number one, these young kids aren't consistent, right? So having that being subject to, to just one pitch to the statistics on low pitches and you have to have a consistent pitcher. You have to have a lot of variables that go right to be able to do that correctly and which you kind of just rambled off but it it doesn't feed into anything else that's part of the position like i even see the way they catch we talked about throwing routine back to the pitcher you're adding so many extra elements and timing that have to be happening you got to think as a catcher 160 games at 180 days there's a lot of movements not to mention all the training you do if you do that that's it's disruptive. I feel to a, to a natural throwing motion, which you want to be as natural as possible.
1: Yeah. So those two, that, that tie in, I think is, is a great conversation. I think I feel like I pulled us off topic a little bit and got on a tangent. And I think you asked me the original question was what we're doing with the The, Orioles. Orioles, Yeah. And I stopped, I stopped a a little bit about talking the the length versus the width conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that ties into uh, the throwing conversation, which, is, which I think would be awesome for a lot of people to hear. Um, but what we're doing now is, is, JB, we're actually working on a little bit of what's current. Quite honestly, full transparency, I have, I've always felt like the receiving was the basis of all of, all of the programs. I've, I really feel like the, the value of Strike has always been the most important thing. And the one thing that we tell our guys is we try and receive strikes and catch balls and have the maturity to know the difference, but the balls that you're not sure on, you're going to put your hand on clean enough to where it's going to create a visual memory for an umpire.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. And that was, that was the, that's the concept and that's what we try and get to. But what's happening now in the big leagues is in the, you know, it is important to get strikes. It absolutely is. And it's showing up on a daily basis. And here's my whole feeling on, on why people are doing this, this, the, moving the glove like that used to be called brushing. If you look at, at certain YouTube clips, you can go back and you could find examples of Terry Kennedy doing that. You can find examples of Jody Davis doing that. You can find an example of Gary Carter who Okay. Was a traditionally different receiver. If you watch enough video, you'll see rushing happening. And what happened was, and, and this is the thing, back in the day, when you moved the ball, not only was it offensive in a, in a respect way to the other team where guys frame it, you know, remember when, when you play against guys and guys would be barking at guys, just yeah, stop moving the ball, right?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. The umpires would browbeat you into submission for moving the baseball. Johnny, stop moving the ball. Give me a good look. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was two sides that were kind of funneling this receiving concept away from that. Mm-hmm. One was a voice in your ear. The other was a voice in the other dugout screaming at you. That's Bush. Right. Yeah.
0: Now, now you got an added front office saying, I need to get your numbers up.
1: Yeah. Too. Now, well, see, now there's some, there's, so, there's a lot because now these, now, You know, guys are looking at the receiving boards. I look at the receiving boards every single day.
0: Yeah, so when they started,
1: it's it's great in one way. It's great that we're we're taking to that level, but there, you know, it it just goes back to back in the day. You start moving the ball like that, your your strike zone goes like this. And back in the day, those guys aren't judged. The umpires, those guys, I don't mean like that, but those guys are judged by an electronic strike zone now. So they go back, and so now, you know. When you go back there, and you drop a knee and you're able to move the ball, there's not a ton of conversation happening because now the 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 umpires are not. It's not such an offensive thing, and the other team now it's not so offensive because it's common.
2: They know why, and so
1: guys are doing it. And what's happening is, it's working. If you look at the pitch now, it's not working like in a big a big picture. And there's another element that has been added in, in, in the last, you know, couple of years now. Now pe- everybody's pitching at the top of the zone. Right. You know, people are pitching at yeah, the bottom of the zone. There is a, a certain sweet spot where that, that manipulation, that aesthetic is working. You, you receive the baseball on the intersection of where it's crossing and where your thumb is meeting the ball on the way up, and you finish up in the strike zone. It's devastating to to the overall view of, of what is the so strike. Are,
0: and this, and maybe this is my question: Is the statistics when they're moving it up like that, or catching it like how I I did, and mm-hmm. you were talking mm-hmm. right quarter turn up? I was, are the statistics that much more? But like, can you play that? Is that is this different? Than no, play that. Five? Play that. Okay. Um, so this this is the one that I. I think, get strikes. And this is why I wanted to have this conversation because if it's if the statistics are showing that to do that, mm-hmm. they'll get more strikes as they're starting on the glove, moving it up more. Now, see how he moves that up with a quarter turn? Yep. I think that's right. I think that's good for throwing all that stuff. I think that's perfect. This is why I love him as a catcher, Maldonado. I think he's best handed. Very clean. Good, right? Um very, very clean. But but where the the it's taught to where it's like turned over and coming mm-hmm. up like you were talking about. I know that the statistics show that they're getting more. Yeah. Is it that much more what away from that? Is it are the numbers showing that on the ground that turnover with the glove? Because guys' gloves are like this now.
1: Yeah. In certain areas, it's certain quadrants of of the, the bottom of the, the ball of the strike zone, there is nuggets where that is effective.
0: Okay. Well, I figured if they're doing it.
1: The, yeah. And, and so the theory now, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I think this is a consistent thought, is if guys are moving the ball constantly, mm-hmm. it doesn't give an umpire a reference point on what is real and what is not real. So guys are moving strikes, and I call it strike to striker, yeah. You know, guys are moving a ball. That's a, that's a, a legitimate strike. I know a no question strike. They're moving it from that to, to upper middle. Yeah. And I think what, what it, it clashes with a little bit with, with, with what my traditional thought is, is I want to receive, receive strikes and catch balls. And yet I, I think it's, it's vibing and it's, and it's, there's some spots where it's good to, to just, to just catch the ball. Yeah, it's not a. It, it's a there's a difference between the two. And I think where it's headed for our listeners, I think where it's headed, And I think what's great about it is it's going into a I, it's for me, it's just another flavor of music that you're playing. Yeah. And I, I always tell our catchers, I always have a default setting that I go back a very traditional clean setup in the hips on the feet, open toes, relaxed, no shoulder movement, like uh, I call ultra vanilla, yeah, yeah. right? You've heard me say that a bunch. Yeah. You have to have ultra vanilla. And if you're if you're the umpire, JB, and and you come back there and, and I I throw out ultra vanilla and it's vibing with you and I'm getting strikes, I'm gonna employ that all night long. Yeah. If I go back there and I put my hand on a baseball that I feel like is a possibility of, of a of a strike and I get balled uh, consistently, I've got to alter what I'm playing so that you're vibing on it. And I want to make hybrid catchers. I want to have catchers yeah. that can do everything really well. Yeah. Well-rounded yeah. musicians slash catchers, receivers, that can do everything at the drop of a hat that you can employ when you need to to yeah. get strikes for the guy in front of you and for our team. Yeah, That's the goal. Yeah. So I would not – and again, it was. I think this is for the benefit of, of our coaches out there. I would not go to this style of music. This is like jazz for me. This is like – some who – who really like is infatuated with going and listening to jazz right away. There's usually other musical genres that they go through until they acquire the taste for jazz. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but that's kind of my thought is I think going to player development and and finding a really foundational approach to, to catching in general, receiving in general, and then, the extra elements that it's going to take when you squat behind the plate in in Yankee stadium, when the guy says play ball, you have all the equipment to go make the plate really large. And that's the goal is one better than the other. No, they're all tools that you can use to get strikes. Getting strikes now is really important because guys are getting paid on it. It's another statistical column that you have to, that can, hurt or help you. And it's very important. What I feel is, am I cutting you off, buddy?
2: No, no, no. no I'm just. Agreeing. What I
1: feel is really important. And you touched on it, JB, and we talked about it earlier in this conversation is the connection between movements that yeah. make an athlete comfortable. And if you go from signal stance where you're speaking to the pitcher on your toes, non-verbally to target, to clean reception, to the ultra important non-thought transfer with the addressing of your fingers on the baseball with the ability to create space and get the seams and put your middle finger across the middle of the baseball and turn your left shoulder and throw the baseball back to the pitcher consistently and very comfortably. I think it's like this, this, like this, like rhythm that you create. Mm -hmm. Now here's what I think I don't, I'm not saying this to like scare everybody or be, you know, controversial or whatever the one part that i that goes against that i our, our catchers in baltimore to answer the question for those viewers are like dude answer the question our catchers have delved into this severino and cisco have we've gone into lengths to be current with our tools yeah 100 percent. our guys have to, have tried it they're they're employing it at certain times Okay. The
0: mule is it, is the, it, the, it, would it when you say certain times would it be would it be on certain pitches maybe like a changeup, low, sinker and I see and that's that's why I kind of agree with this yes. and I and I'm open like you this is no. why I want to have the conversation cuz I'll start teaching this to the kids that I think are ready maybe my older kids. Yeah. Cuz I think they have pitchers that may be able to do that. Not every single pitch. And I think that maybe you're hitting on that right now. That's That's where that, because I think there's a mental part of knowing when to, how to, when it will hurt you, when it will help you, that I think you're about ready to get into.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. So what it's become now is pitch specific and no. So there's a lot of, there's, there's guys that are selling out and, and going drop knee with runners on base, which is probably another important side topic um there's guys that are employing these setups all the time
2: yeah
1: i found through statistics that when we sold out and did that as a an attempt to be current with our tools that we're using it affected the other very important statistics that we have to accommodate wild pitches were up pass balls were up the other elements that, that are so important Eroded a little bit. Now, will they go away if we continue? Oh, I was right. I was right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. See, maybe if we stayed with it, that would level off yeah, just yeah, yeah. Of the newest? I don't know, but I, I don't want to give up other really important parts of our defensive position to accommodate a, a, another one, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we are now boiling it down to: we will employ these setups with a certain pitcher with a certain. Uh, movement pattern of the baseball with knowledge and consistency of movement that we trust left-handed cutters, maybe yeah. a left-handed breaking ball that you can, you know, that you can use. So yes. So you hit it, you know, just certain things we will use it for, Okay. but only if, if a guy is not, if if we can't get it from our, our, our ultra vanilla setup
2: yeah,
1: and we need to get more drop of a hat, we'll drop it in there and we'll use it. Yeah. And that's where I think it's going. The hard part where I think I have a little bit of um, concern as our, as our position is the sequencing of how things happen non-thought is so important. And what I am seeing with guys, college players that have come out that are, that are, that are current, so to speak, and are on one knee with I I always like our guys to work left of left of the center line of our body to right. I like, I like, we move our glove really well this way, but if every clip that we've watched, every target is in the middle of the body, it doesn't accommodate for the sinker that creates Mm -hmm. chaos for us. And it grows, you know, it grows this way. So that's traditionally how I like guys to move. Now, I know certain pitches you'll target in the middle. I know guys directionally quarter turn this way, for for a a slider and and this way for a left-handed cutter. I'm, I'm on that. i love that. But being on a knee, there's two conversations for me. It's the dynamic between when our left knee strikes the ground, is it putting us towards the four hole? And as our left shoulder pointing towards a pitcher where now we are inviting the length back. Mm -hmm. Right. The other thing that I'm a little bit concerned with and I, and uh, you know, and it's something that you guys who are watching—if you have guys—it's just—it's a—it would be a great, um, it would be a great thing to go out and do as a test to watch. Because I'm not—I'm not saying this is 100%. I'm saying that what I've seen is that when you put an athlete on his left knee and he is selling out, working from the earth up, and he finishes a ball here and he transfers the ball like this, and because he's on his left knee already, a natural movement after reception. Right. After reception to transfer is, is separating the hands and moving your left shoulder prior to the knee striking the ground. This sequence is all out of whack. A lot of times when you watch it, guys catch the ball. They go right to their knee and then they drop the ball and their two shoulders are facing the pitcher and they fillet the ball back to the pitcher because of it. Because there's no there's no point of reference and your guards are pointing directly at the pitcher. And there's no trunk rotation and there's no sequencing happening at all. You're just, you're, you're betting that the dexterity of your two fingers will help. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we flip the ball.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm seeing a lot of that utility throw with guys on the ground. Now with certain unicorns, it's not going to matter. Guys can flip the ball sidearm and, and rip back through the middle of the baseball and create the spin and, and create the comfort mentally and physically to where it's not a thought but i'm seeing a lot of guys decelerating their fingers jb because they can't get the left shoulder involved in this utility throw Mm -hmm. you guys are all way smarter than i am somebody do the leg work on that yeah and and give it back like we talked about this isn't stealing it's it's not stealing if you give it back somebody do it and get it back into our community because it's important yeah now in the big leagues, you're dealing with a lot of unicorns. So that's not, I mean, I, I see yeah, guys yeah. that employ this this setup and have no issues. But I do see the opposite as well. You know, and it's it's a bordering thing. And for your original question, is it is it worth this to that get to that? that? I'm not sure, but I know that it's what I'm seeing.
0: Yeah. yeah. So. And that, that's kind of, I think that's why I was excited to talk to you because I think Prior, we had a conversation when I called you to ask to come on this and brought up this topic. We went off for 20, 30 minutes on you know, I wish we could bring back some of those nuggets we had just because
2: yeah.
0: it was about that. It was about the sequence of rhythm of the game, rhythm of, of how to get the ball back, tempo of throwing the ball back to the pitcher, that compound effect of that. You know, real catching guys, we think those things, you know, because we know. Nobody else knows, but how that affects the rhythm of the game, rhythm of my pitcher, rhythm, uh, confidence of myself, um, how you throw to the bases afterwards. But, um, you know, when when a guy runs, it's, it's, uh, I think it's a cool question and a, a, a conversation that obviously has a lot to it, <laughs> you know?
1: It's a, it's a week long
0: conversation. I feel I feel like I've all you've done is interest me more because now I now I really got to dive into it a little bit because uh, I want to coach it. Like if it's really going to help and it's going to help my guys, I've I've had I've I've put them in some positions for that down and away. That's why I had I kind of picked that prior to this because I feel that's a pitch where I would do that. You know, that's a pitch where it's very natural. Like you said, maybe pitch selection of what I would do. And I think that's why right away the sinkers, the change-ups, I think would be helpful and beneficial. Because if I'm already low, wanting the ball down, expecting to be down, thinking more down, uh, down pitches, movement down, I would want that. You know, when yeah. the ball's kind of sinking down, I'd want to do that. And how to coach you do it. it? really I would.
1: well, JB. You would do it
0: really well. Like, what would be really cool is if we could put gear on you. I don't know if it's even possible. Yeah, we can do it. We, next podcast, yeah. what I need to do is come in camp because remember, I'm going to be the bench coach, and we can do this. Yeah.
2: Out, right?
1: <laughs> but uh, I would love to do it. We can yeah. film it somehow. Film it, and and it would be a fascinating journey to watch you at at a place where you've finished your career, but still are physical enough to do it to kind of dispel some of the things that maybe you're thinking or, or, or the opposite or, or some things that you're like, I, I can't feel I can be
0: the test. Though. I mean, we can ruin me. Those guys still got to perform. We can ruin me. That was yeah.
1: <laughs> and you, and you have, you have a um, long career and you have uh hand action to accommodate like you, like you would get it in 30 seconds and you would be able to absorb it. And you know, it makes sense or, or not make sense to you physically. And then, yeah. you know, and That's what, what, you're,
0: what kind of what drills do you do, do you do to kind of work on that? What do you do? Just-
1: well, there, there's a ton of – so when you start breaking apart a guy's um, hand path to a ball from a traditional set to a, to a drop knee, the, the main thing is to get the glove into a, a, another position. So when you go down – like when you go thumb down, you, you go thumb to the earth. Mm-hmm. And you let them stay under the ball – At in ball flight. Yeah. And then, and then there's a, you know, you can short hop balls to a guy and and receive that ball up to the middle of the body. There's a lot of things, and and it's common sense.
2: Yeah.
1: There's a lot of things. There's, you could resistance band, you know, behind the guy. You can do those things to create that feel and start getting on that vibe. It's um, fairly easy to do. It's not, it's not a difficult thing. When
0: when, when you do it, do you want them with the glove kind of here or do you
1: still? Yeah, so, no, it's... it's you so, turn it put, over. Put, put the toe of the glove on the desk there. That's, yeah. yeah,
0: yep. I mean, I feel like so... I feel like I'm just like... Oh. Yeah.
1: For all of us that have been through the chicken wing era, yeah, right, we spent a lot of time trying to get the elbow to go the other way to accommodate the sinkers and the left-handed cutters. This, yeah, okay. We tried to eliminate that, so we retracted the elbow. That's yeah. where this position went. Yeah. It used to be out front, stick it. Then yeah. we became... Uh, adept at retracting the elbow and keeping the toes of the glove up through the ball. And now we are we are simply moving back to the right of the body. Yeah. We are playing we're, we're playing against the left side. We're we're giving up the left side and selling out to the, to the middle target right side of the body mm-hmm. and the and the brush. And the move becomes easy. It's not hard to do. Um, it's it's a not it doesn't take a long time to get a feel for it. It's another tool. Okay. To have in your belt that if you have the right guy behind you, okay. that you could you could benefit your club by by having.
0: All right, I'm gonna have to toy with it. Maybe, I'll you know start with Brody, my own son. Yeah. Um, and then go from yeah. there. Um, I have okay. a question, and maybe this is the um, Are you working with that uh, Adley? who's in Adley Ratchman?
1: Well, yep. Rutschman. Yep. How, how good is he? He's a he's a dude. He's, a he's dude. real. It's going to be it looks fun. He like, looks
0: like it. I, like, I just yep. I like his body. I like the way he moves.
1: Yeah. So he's the kind of guy that I've always had the, I've had, I've had in my past a lot more of the conversion type guys. And I always was like, I love converting guys. Cause there's a lot of, um, a road to be traveled. When you have a guy like that and you tend to sink in, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, I had JT as a shortstop. Yeah. Um, I had Austin Barnes, who was had caught, but played a lot of infield. Um, I had uh, Victor Caratini with the Cubs. So you, and, were
0: you part of JT uh, switching
1: him? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. Day, day one. Yeah we, did, yeah, we went through the whole progression together.
0: And, and um, now he's, now he's the, the most sought after guy this offseason as a catcher. Yeah,
1: he's, a spectac- he's a spectacular human being in general. Yeah, uh, and it was I, you know that's I like that super valuable like just the he's the real house you know, the, whole, the whole package the whole shebang yeah so i've always had these conversion type guys i had uh austin Farns, victor caratini was a third baseman he had caught like one year we got him in a trade and he's spectacular and i had uh contreras who was a third baseman yeah he's so and now um And now, Adley Rushman is is a catcher. He's Uh been a catcher. He's whoever's had his hands on him is should be commended. He's built right. He's all of those things. And it's a guy that I'm not like building to to make sure that he's ready to go. You know what I mean? Like Uh I'm. I've worked. I had him in spring training. I we have a great catching infrastructure with the Orioles. Um, and we're and it's like. Exactly like we always talked about, like yep. super communication, no ego. Boom. And I'm hopefully I'm fortunate enough to be there when he gets there and I'm pumped. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's finally a guy that, you know, that is the opposite of what I've done in the past.
2: Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I haven't cool. built him. I don't, you know, I'm just excited about him. He does a lot of things really well. I'm ex, I'm excited to watch.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm excited so, to see him develop as well. Well, yeah. dude, I think I think we can, I think we should plan. Maybe me getting in the gear and doing one. I'll I'll do, maybe shortly here we can do a podcast where I'm, almost teaching some drills once I get into it because I'll buy it. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna nerd out okay. in this and and do it myself. Uh, and maybe we can film some of that and do another podcast uh, just about drills and things that we could do.
1: That would be awesome.
0: Okay, well, Timmy, dude, you're the man. I I like it like I, before we got on we talked about backdrops uh and I want I before I you made the comment about the the flag right this flag was Brett Hayes's sister made this for me it's baseballs you can't see it but this is this is baseballs
1: so sick
0: yeah so the, these are the this is the the white right the the string inside the the yarn that's red yarn She's dyed red and that's yarn there. She's like woven it, and those stars are baseballs as well. They're cut up pretty, pretty dope, I right?
1: Paid a lot of money for that.
0: I, I think I did, and whatever I paid probably wasn't enough, but uh, it's one of my favorite things. But uh, what I did is in 2012, I think it was 2011 or 2012, my first year of Miami, I think it is. I took a ball from every game that I, like I'd catch. I'd just bring it in, not toss it up to the stands, and would throw it in, throw it in my personal bucket, my little area back there, and uh, then gave her the bucket of balls. And so those are balls I, that are game balls that we tore That's apart. and right. I talked to
1: Hasty the other day. How's he doing? He's doing awesome. He's doing it. We should do a, we should do a multiple – we should do a reunion. Dude, what's booked
0: book that. I'll, let's, I'll work did. on that and do that. We could have that conversation with some of the core with bake and, and hazer. And yeah, let's, let's do that.
1: That would be really fun. You know, those guys are, you know, I, it's funny looking back on it. All those guys are blowing up They're I mean, you guys are all killing us. It. It's great. It's so Catchers. rewarding. We're,
0: like you said, our DNA is a little better than the normal human. <laughs> yeah. So I'm always
1: working on something.
0: Right. Well, Timmy, appreciate it. This was fun. This is awesome. Uh tell yeah. Hyde to give me a call. I'll be a bench coach.
1: Just I'm me. calling after we get off. Yeah, I'll make sure I'll call a clubby. We'll get your locker set up. Perfect. Um, you
0: know, oh, I just, look, at, look at this. I even got Oreo colored shoes on. You want me to have to? Oh my goodness, I'm already <laughs> prepared. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. I'm excited to get back
1: to work. I, I've been home too long.
0: Yeah, dude. I'm 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 excited for baseball. I think it was good uh, having baseball through this whole pandemic. Um, and I, I'm I'm excited for the season just to, you know, yes, my, little, for my little league, my guys on up and then also just watching big league baseball again is, is, I think it's good for the world, to be honest.
1: Well, awesome, buddy. I don't know how many people watch this or how many coaches are out there or how, where this goes. I don't even know what this is, but, you know, <laughs> If, if anybody wants to reach out and have conversations, JB, you know, feel free to let them know how they can get a hold of me. Awesome. You know, I will. Our community is pretty tight and it's in a good spot and people are doing some cool stuff. And, uh, um, you know, I think it's, it's mature to communicate. I agree. I agree. Timmy, I appreciate it. Right on buddy. Talk soon.
0: All right. See you, bud. Yeah.
1: It's the behind the dish podcast
2: with John Buck.